have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Well, hello there. Uh, good afternoon. Nice to have you back today again. Uh, we're here with the Believer's Journey and um, on our third video. Good. Today I have with me Dr. Gilbert Perez, and uh, he's joining me today. And our topic today is going to be on biblical truth and tradition, or biblical truth and interpretation, and how we view teachings and the Bible and what has been taught to us opposed to absolute truth and how it actually really differs from what we've been taught or what we've, we've lived. Before we get started, I want to I want to mention that uh, a couple people have asked me about my name Kona Kid. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, I had to explain this. <clears throat> um, I uh, my family, my mom and my grandmother and great grandfather lived in Hawaii back in the twenties, I guess, in thirties. Uh, my mom grew up there in uh, in the forties. And so um, we have ties to Hawaii. And, of course, they moved back while I was born in California. I moved back to Hawaii for several years. And there was a time there that I actually thought I was going to move to the Big Island. And so I picked up the name Kona for my uh, username and for my email and things like that. I never did move to the Big Island, but I kept the name. (laughs) And so I'm known as Kona Kid all over the place. Uh, in fact, it's funny at our church, there's a, a lady on staff who emails me, and she only knows me by Kona Kid. She doesn't <laughs> even know my name. Well, when I first met you, uh, you, uh, you were, I would meet you as like the Kona. Yeah. And uh, you had your car had license plates from Hawaii. Yes. And this was, goes back 20-some odd years. 20 years. Well, at least yeah. 20 years, yes. So I dress the part. I must have about 50 Aloha shirts. Um, most of the time I walk around in slippers unless my wife tells me I can't do it. And um, so, and my wife, I married a lady who's actually born and raised on Oahu. And uh, so we have big ties in Hawaii. So that's why I go by the name Kona Kid. If, uh, I've had a few people ask me in these last couple of weeks. How about that? So Anyway... I want to talk about truth in the Bible because it seems like so often we have been told different things and we tend to believe them. When I was uh, 16 years old, I became a Christian. Uh, I didn't want to become a Christian because um, the teens that were in their class, and I might have said this before on another show, but the teens were up and down. They were, it's a yo-yo experience. One day they're saved and there's spiritual the next week they're not and i didn't want to have that but when i became a believer i made jesus lord of my life i realized that that's the life i needed to live however i knew nothing about church nothing about the bible i didn't even own a bible for the first few months that i was even a a believer well i was raised uh, as a catholic and so many uh, latin americans are most of them and uh, we didn't know the Bible. We were not allowed to look at the Bible. As a matter of fact, it's strange to say this now, it's many years later, but it, at that time, it was a sin for us to look at the Bible. Yes. In fact, I go to Moldova every year. Well, you know that. Yes. 
and they they have the Russian Orthodox Church. Well, the Russian Orthodox Church is somewhat like what the Catholic Church was 100, 200 years ago. They're not allowed to watch, look at their Bible. It's a sin to because, according to them, it's the priest that God has given the ordination to to know what the Scripture actually says or means. And the sad thing about it is who did the ordination? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so... So anyway, I want to talk about truth. I was reading a magazine called Table Talk. Um, <clears throat> this is an old, older uh, issue back in 2006, but it says this. Truth is that which conforms to reality as it is perceived by God. He knows all things exhaustively, and so we can trust anything he reveals in Scripture. Truth is not defined by our own subjective standards, it is determined by the source of truth himself. That's it. And, you know, when you go to truth, you know that God says what he means, and he means what he says. Uh, man does not agree sometimes with God. And God does not ask for our, you know, the, for our agreement. He, needs, he says for us to come under him, under his leadership. And when we go under his leadership, then he leads us the, his ways, and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And with those three elements right there, you have life. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm the way. If, if you know the way, you won't get lost. Right. And I'm the truth. It re- literally means I'm, I'm reality. So it's no plastic thing about God. It's real. He says, so I'm, 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 I'm reality, and I'm the life. And if you have life, you won't have death. I mean, it's so clear. Right. But you see, man has difficulty agreeing with God's truth because the things that he does not understand, he doesn't want to go by faith. Right. And, you know, some of the things that I, that I guess makes my whole body cringe is listening to people who tell me they don't read their Bible. They just listen to what the pastor has to say, and they're good. And I'm thinking, oh, my word, really? I mean, over and over, the Scripture talks about you know, search the scriptures. Jesus said, search the scriptures. Paul says, search the scriptures. They, the whole Bible's all about searching the scriptures to make sure that what is being taught is actually truth. And what he's telling us is, I'm showing you the ways as you open the scriptures. Mm-hmm. He teaches you his ways. Yeah, in fact, in, um, in Acts 17.11, it, it, it says that... Uh, the Bereans, I think it was, which were more, were on top of it, much more than the Thessalonians because they searched the scriptures. They read and really delved into it. And I think that if we don't do that, our idea of, of God is based on subjective views. You know, you said a few moments ago that as a teenager you had difficulty because of the up and down, the yo-yo experiences of teens. Well, there is a problem. This is why it's so, so, so important that we begin to train them in the ways of the Lord as a child. But God says, you need to be like a child. I, yes. I need to, you need to come to me not, not knowing and accept that I know everything. And you begin to form your worldview. As most teenagers don't have a worldview that's real. It's based on what science or whatever uh, intelligence comes upon them with the computers and et cetera. 
Well, what's interesting about this quote that I read, uh, I mean, I would, of course, I always do this. I would add to it. I, I just think some people are, they've got these blinders on, and, and I'm not sure the person who actually wrote the quote is actually a very good one. But I would add that God, uh, the truth is not only revealed in Scripture, it's revealed in nature. Truth is revealed in God's very character. I mean, the very character of God, we talk about what his attributes are. One of the attributes, and the most important, is holy. He's God is holy. And from his holiness, we have all these other attributes. We have love and forgiveness and trusting and or, you know, faithfulness. Mercy, and we also have truth. He is truth. And that is huge. And the problem is we tend not to see that as something very important for our own understanding, even when we decipher the scripture. That's right. One time, years ago, I was holding a crusade in southern Mexico. Uh, I was in the state of Oaxaca at that particular time, and I was in Oaxaca City. And uh, we, we held a crusade there for 10 days and nights. And I, I remember one particular group of pastors uh, was, was, were my, uh, they were my hosts, and uh, they were singing a chorus. And they were singing uh, John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And they had a real catchy tune to it. And they said, "With it says, I am the I am the way, the truth, and the life." It says, "Without knowing the way, you'll never get anywhere." The, so said the song. It says, "And I am the truth." And says, you cannot, if you know the truth, no one can lie to you. Yeah. And then it says, "I'm I'm life." So if I'm if I have life, I'm, I'm not going. I'm not afraid of death. But it was a very catchy tune and, and, and based on John fourteen six. Yeah, it's interesting. And we're going to get into John fourteen six. It has a lot to say um, be, behind the very phrase, I'm the way, the truth, and life. It's like, where does that come from? What does it mean? What does it entail? There's a whole lot more to it than just, you know, he's my way. I mean, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. I want to I wanna also uh, indicate here, in Harper's Bible Dictionary, it actually in, includes the statement that God is truth. So uh, I'm not the only one here preaching God is truth. It's, it's all over. It, it's, it's in there. David in the Psalms said God is truth. The Old Testament, over and over again, God is truth. And we need to see that it's more than just the scriptures are truth. The very aspect of the fact that God has a character, God is, has his attributes, and he is, in fact, truth. You know, we, we spend millions of dollars teaching kids in our colleges and universities about truth. And we, know, we call it philosophy. Mm-hmm. And what is philosophy? Philosophy is a study of truth. So if you don't start with him, with God yeah. himself as the truth, anything else has a false foundation. Yeah. And we see the results of it with our young people today. Yes. Um, I want to take a a little side note here and uh, actually introduce my guest. Uh, Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I've said this is Dr. Gilbert Perez. However, just to let you know who he is, he um, back in 1975, um, he was a businessman and and he started his own church called Temple of Praise on the west side of San Antonio. And um, it's a viable church that's doing well today. And he also, four years later, because of his heart for education, he started a, a school, an, an elementary and high school, 
Uh, I think it's called Sunnybrook right. School. And um, even uh, about 20 years ago, or more more or less, I'm not sure how many years it was, he also had a university at his church that he uh, worked with. Yes. And I guess that's where you and I met. That's where we met. Yes. I was looking um, for someone to teach a class and someone who was committed to the Word. And I, your name was given, and we met through some, I forget even now how I it know. happened. And and that's how our friendship started. Yeah, so I was your, your Bible professor. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so tell, tell us about your, give us your story. Well, I was a, when I got out of college, I got a job with a, a big company, office equipment company, and I became a salesman and was very successful. Went up the ladder. Uh, sales, of course, is a way to make money, and, and I was very good at it. And so then I said, well, I, I can do this on my own. So I started my own business. And uh, I was doing very well. But I had this, this knowing in my heart. It was just kind of gnawed at me. You know, it just kind of grabs you. That I wanted to serve God, but I didn't know how. I, I didn't know about the Lord. Uh, I met this beautiful young woman, and she began to talk to me about the Lord. And she later became my wife. And not too much later. And... Uh, that's how I met the Lord, and one day he spoke to me very clearly and told me that I was to be into full-time ministry, and uh, I responded, and I moved from my very nice home to where I lived uh, to a place at 1620 Pin Road, an run-down farmhouse, and God said, this is your new home, so that became our new home. And the church, uh, we had started the church in the garage of our home, but we went to, there to an, an old place, and that's how we got started. What about your school? God began to talk to me about schools very early, and about education, how the Jews uh, would send their teaching priests to start a place, and they would send them there to have a place so when the families would come, they could have they could begin to teach the children. Mm -hmm. You know, Isaiah says, and your children will be taught by the Lord, of the Lord. And so, and so uh, they would do that. And I said, you know, God has a lot to do about schools and about finances. And, you know, just, I, I was new to the Bible. I had never seen it. This was a crazy thing to me. I mean, looking back at the time, it wasn't. It was very real, and it still is. Uh, leave, you know, leaving the business world, I closed my business, didn't sell it. He told me to go, so I did. And uh, now what? <laughs> now comes life by faith. And I, 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 we lived that. We, we went that, that way, and God saw us through it. And God told me about a school, gave me the name of it, and send a, a, a teacher and a, who became the first principal, and she was a very wonderful character and, and did wonders with the school. And that's how we started. I know that you uh, have a real desire for education and not just to educate, but to educate according to Scripture. I know that that's really... Your, our discussions have been huge on this topic. Yes, they have been. And the reason for that is because when you search the scriptures, you see that God is always teaching. 
you, you look at his sermons, they were always teaching sermons. Of course, they were extremely, you know, deep and mm-hmm. profound. And, and, but nonetheless, you could just read the, the face of it and learn from that. And then you go deeper and deeper. And I begin to understand a child's worldview. They develop a worldview. Mm-hmm. By the time they're 12, 13, they have their worldview. What are we teaching them now? Uh, if you look at what they're being taught right now, you can see why our youth are so socialistic in their thinking. Not free. They don't understand freedom. They understand, give me. But they do not understand, I need to earn this. And there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. And I begin to see the value of this. Teaching a child, you know, my own children, that's how yeah. Um, Dr. Perez is a, uh, an author. He's written several books. Um, I had the honor of him giving me a book the other uh, few weeks ago called Good Friday. And, With um, a question mark. There you go. With a question mark. And I'm going to hold that up to the camera so you can see it. And this is really cool because I've always been uh, wondering – I mean, really, always wondered, and the fact that, you know, was Good Friday on Wednesday or Thursday instead of Friday because of some things that I thought of or, or I've heard, I've read about, but I never really got to study it. I just didn't take the time, actually. I had, could have. I just didn't do it. But I'm reading your book. I'm thinking, oh, my word, step by step. Tell us about this. Well, I begin to read, you know, I'm, I, like, I love reading. I'm an avid reader. Always have been. Before I became a Christian, of course, I didn't know there was such a thing as Christian books because I was never been exposed <laughs> to them. So I read other books, and, and I have my favorite authors, and I read and I enjoyed reading. So when I, uh, my wife showed me the Bible and I began to read that, I mean, I would spend hours just reading this book. It was so fascinating, mm-hmm. and it would just draw me to it. And in fact, my first Bible is filled with notes. And the biggest note on the side of the page was, wow, with an exclamation point. You know, when I was, when God would say, and he did this. And I would just write, wow, he did that. This is, this is God. This is the one that I'm serving. So I began to look at it. And the first book that I wrote was about money. Because as a businessman, before I became a businessman, my desire was to be a millionaire by the time I was 35 or 36. I didn't want to be a millionaire as an old man. And I used to see old men driving Cadillacs, and I would say, I don't want to be an old man driving Cadillacs. I want to be a young man driving a Cadillac. Because that was my drive. And then when I got saved, I, I asked, God, what do you say about money? And that's the first book I wrote, uh, A Christian Guide. It's titled, A Christian Guide to Financial Freedom. Uh, and... It went very well. One of the local uh, counseling companies here in town used it as, as, their, as their textbook. And it's not a how-to, but it's a why people get in trouble. So it's a, how to get away from that. And so uh, from that perspective, it became a well-known book. But what I found out when I looked into finances, over 2,000, over 2,500 times, does God speak about money, finances yeah. and money? 
I said, wow, it must be important to God, too. Yeah. So uh, I'm not on the wrong track. Uh, of course, this is while I'm living on six, at 1620 Pin Road in a rundown house. But I knew that that wasn't my, the God's plan for me, to stay there, but to grow from that. And the only way to grow from that is, what does God say? Yeah. So what about your book, Good Friday? You know, that was, that's been with me since I first became a Christian. Because I, the hours did not match to Friday. No matter what happened, uh, it, 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 the closest you would get to, to Friday being the day that he died would be about 30 hours, 36 hours, if you stretched it, but not three days. And I'm saying, God, where is this? And I, and I would never preach a Good Friday sermon. You can go back all my years. I never preached a Good Friday sermon because I couldn't go for it. I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. I preached. I would preach on, on resurrection, but not not on Good Friday. I just. I just couldn't do that. My church never realized that, that I did that. But they, when I told them that, they said, "That's right. You never, I, I couldn't." So I began to look in this, and and I, you know, you need you need to have a couple of Bibles to follow to follow me, mm-hmm. so you can go from this scripture to that one and to this one to that one. Yes. So that's how that book came about, and then uh, I had a good friend of mine, a good pastor friend of mine. Uh, I, I gave him the book. He read it. He said, "You messed up my Good Friday sermons." <laughs> I said, "Well." Uh, Follow, follow, the, follow the book. Follow the book. Well, it's really a, a really neat book. I've been reading it, and I'm close to the end. And um, but what's really cool about all of this is that you know we have so many areas in Christianity that we've been taught traditionally that I see aren't true. I remember being taught traditionally that the reason that Cain God did not accept his offering because it wasn't a good enough offering. But when you read the scripture, it was because his heart was wrong. You know, I mean, where's the sermons gone sour? I I read where Joseph was a little smart aleck with his with his uh, coat and all that. And would, but when you really read his life, it, it wasn't that at all. He's he's basically speaking God's truth. And he lived his truth. And you go through the scriptures over and over again. We, we talk a lot about, you know, the Bible. Well, God's a God of anger in the Old Testament, but compassion and grace in the New Testament. Then I find out there's more teaching about grace in the Old than there is in the New. Look at the 40 years in the wilderness. Oh, I know. I know. And so, you know, we've been handed this bill of goods in tr- from tradition that we just swallow it. Because we're not searching our word. We're back to listening to our teachers, and we're not searching the scriptures. You see, I, in fact, I, I, I teach in, in, our, in my church where I pastor. It's not my church. Nothing a temple of praise is in my name because I, I didn't pay for it if it hadn't been for, the, for God. Right. So when, when I pass on, you know, there's somebody in place to take over the place. I give them... Don't be in a hurry. I'm not in a hurry for that. Okay? <laughs> just, just to make things. Yeah, but clear. you are pushing a little eighty or more. <laughs> yeah, somewhere around there. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I feel fine. I mean, for my age, 
but it's just my birthday that gives me a problem. There you go. <laughs> and if, if somebody says, what about your birthday? I said, it happened a long time ago. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you, you, you get into the truth, and you, you've got to stay with the word. And I always said the promise that God was going to provide for me, and he gave me a, a prophetic word uh, through someone that came to our church. And he said, your latter days will be better than your former days. Well, I wasn't doing very well, so it had to be better. <laughs> and they surely have. Uh, I mean, you know, I went from tailor-made suits to hand-me-down clothes, you know. But uh, God saw me through all those years, and I praise God for that. Yeah. You know what's interesting about uh, God and, and his word is that God is unchangeable. You know, the Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Never changes. The word never changes. His truth never changes. One of the major problems that we are having in our society today, and this may be true with many societies, is that truth is subjective based on the culture you're in. You know, and really, if that were true and we look at the commandments, well, you know, back then it was uh, thou shalt not kill. Does that mean that, oh, it's okay today because it wasn't back then? Uh, Back then it was, you know, you shouldn't commit adultery. Well, does that mean we change it today? No, those are truths. Those are absolute truths that are unchangeable. And for some reason, we want to live in in a faction or an arena that gives us the right to say, Truth is what I think of it, not what it is. You see, the great philosophers and the big thinkers of the age, going back to 150 years, that recent, even to the present day, they could not accept God's truth because they could not believe. You know, uh, look at the very first statement in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Comma. Semicolon. Colon. No. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Period. Period. Right. Then you go to the, uh, the rest of it. But that's, that's it. That's true. Well, how could this be? God, no one can, can do these things. God says, I did. He says, I know how many stars there are, and I know them by name. Yeah. Well, the, the, I, I cannot fathom that in my mind. Great philosophers and great thinkers cannot fathom that. So what do they do? Deny it and create their own truth. Right. And, you know, without God, I mean, there can't be any absolutes. Think about that. Without God, there are no absolutes. You're right. But because of God, there are absolutes. And when we look at the absolutes and we, I mean, really decipher them, we see that these absolutes are really true. And the only way that they can really be true is because God is real and God is truth. You know, I was in the radio before KSLR was in town. There was another Christian radio station. And we were, uh, I mean, we were just a handful of people practically. And uh, our church was just an old abandoned one-bedroom little house. And then we built the others. But uh, God told me to go on radio. So I went on radio. This man... uh, the owner of the station was not a Christian, but he, had, he was the only one that had a Christian radio in San Antonio. And at, at, at 1201, the world music would come in, or at 101, forget which one it was. 
uh, you'd be hearing the, the word of God one second, and the next it was bang, bang, all the world. And uh, this this man would, would would I would talk to this man, and it was amazing how he would listen to truth, but when it got to where it rubbed him the wrong way, the conversation was over. Yes, I mean I know people where I could talk about God. God bless this, God bless you, God is in this and that. But once I bring up the word Jesus, nope, got to stop right there and change it. It's like there's, there's a problem. So, yeah, I, I understand that. I really do. Um, what's really interesting, I have here, you know, uh, when we talk about truth, like what are the origins of truth? How do we identify it? How do we work with it? And I have a few things here I want to read. So, number one, you know, the origin of truth, number one, comes from God. Because he is. Because he is. It really is. That is it. Uh, the next one, we go, we, truth speaks with authority. Next one, it would be truth is consistent. And this is what we're missing it today, is that our consistency of what we are claiming to be truth isn't consistent at all. They're just it, it wavers, it vacillates in in our own lives, in time, and in, in all the even in our churches, the way we view the Bible, oh my word, it's awful. We we take scripture and we decide that we want to interpret it the way it fits our lives. I was talking to um, somebody just the other day about the interpretation of scripture. I said, number one you know, you have to take Scripture and you have to weigh it with God's character. Because, number one, if God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is holy, number one, and he is truth, number two, then the Scripture that you interpret has to identify and come to the same level of his character. That's it. And if it doesn't, your interpretation is not good. It's not right. I mean, it took him a long time to think about that. I says. It's, it is what it is. You can't do that because God would never do anything that opposes his own character. And if we don't see Scripture that way, we're misinterpreting it and we're living on the traditions of everybody on a whim. And those whims are based upon what they understand of life, exactly. not what God says about exactly. life. Exactly. So let me go on. It also uh, leads to a spiritual growth. Truth leads to spiritual growth. I can't, I can't even count the many times I've talked with people who have a testimony that's 50 years old. It's like, well, what's God done with you and for you in the last 50 years? What have you done with God or for God in the last 50 years? Well, it, it all goes back a long time ago. It, it builds and promotes spiritual growth. I started to say a while ago while I brought up the radio, it's because uh, I used the phrase, I would always use the phrase, uh, this is Pastor Gilbert Perez with the good news that Jesus is. And I would close my radio program with, this is Pastor Gilbert Perez from Temple of Praise Church reminding you that Jesus is. And it would be that, that, that. Not Jesus was, Jesus is going to be. It's Jesus is today. Yeah. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Absolutely. So therefore, those truths must be the same. And we try to modernize God. How can you modernize the one that created electricity? And I don't know how it works. Nobody seems to. Uh, how can you modernize uh, the creator of that? Yeah, yeah. 
whatever he did is for now. Oh, absolutely. And and, 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 and our young people think that it's that artificial intelligence is what's going to make it. The name says it all. What is it? Artificial. Artificial. Yeah. <laughs> go from there. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, so let's go to the next one. It leads to godly living. Oh my word! You know, I, I, you know, it's funny is that, um, and since I've never worked for you as an associate pastor, I guess it's a good thing. But, <laughs> but there have been so many of my bosses that I that I'll look at that isn't correct, and I'll I'll tell them this isn't right. It's not biblical. It's not scriptural. It's not, and and I think I'm I'm going to get fired. <laughs> But you know, it is. It leads to godly living. There, there's no substitute. There's there's no uh, way you can get around that. The truth is God. The truth is absolute. The truth guides you and leads you to godly living. And within that, it pleases God because you're living a godly life. I mean, it it all comes together, and finally, it honors God. I mean, how can we say that we live in truth because it's of our own ideas that are not grounded in Scripture and may not even reflect Scripture, but I think we're honoring God. I mean, the Bible says worship only Him, and yet when we come up with our own you know, ideas of what we think truth is, which aren't at all, and it's living a blasphemous or wrong or uh, ungodly life, how can we think that it's actually honoring Him? You see... Again, we go to man's truth. And man's truth, as deep as it is, is at best ephemeral. It doesn't last yeah, long. It doesn't. You know, I had a discussion with, with a, uh, an older man um, several years ago. And, um, and I was challenging him on the very basis of his sin. That he was living a life of sin. And he said to me, well, don't you believe that you know, once you're saved, you're always saved, and and that um, you know that's the way it is. I'm like you, and I, my, I mean, I, all everything within me just came to a head, and I said, you can't honestly think that God is going to honor you while you put you on the throne and you are living a sinful life, and your God is sin. You cannot even compare to think that that's true course he changed his life at that point i mean he really did but that was the truth i handed to him and he knew it he knew it but you see why why did he know it because you dared to risk your position your place and everything for him yeah and jesus said you're going to have to give these things up you know and it's it's part of you know our responsibility. You know, we have a responsibility to the church of Jesus. He, when he created the church, they're in the upper room, and he sent out the disciples, basically. He said, this, this is it. You know, this is what you need to do. I give you a new commandment. And he gave it all to them, and he, and he was on the cross, and he ascended. You know, he left us with a heritage, and he left us with a responsibility to take care of one another and build that church. And the whole New Testament talks about over and over again, building one another up in Ephesians and in, in 1 Corinthians, over and over again, the unity, the building up of God's church, because that is our responsibility. That's our heritage. See, you just opened the door to witnessing 
and to testifying. That's what brought the church to such growth in the first century in Jerusalem. It grew from a handful to over 25,000. How did it do that? People, the church, the people, that's the church, going to the lost and telling them what you just said and daring to say it. Yeah. And they did it without a scripture. They had no written word. Well, you know, I guess within me, and I don't know what it is. Well, maybe I do know what it is or who it is, is that when it really gets to me, I just have to say it. <laughs> That's what gets me in trouble, I, I would think. But, you know, it, it is what it is. It is the truth. And, and I, I think that, I don't know if it was you the other day. I, I laughed at this later. He says, well, uh, God has made you a prophet. Well, I don't think so. But. I do have that within me that bothers me that I have to say it when it's when it, like Nathan did to David, you know. He had this one it. of the gifts according to the Book yeah. of Romans chapter ten. Yeah, so well, you have to yeah. do that. So, so you, you you do you live what the what the word says? Is it comfortable? Of course not. Yeah, and it just comes out of me like naturally. I'm like, really, I don't want to do this. <laughs> it just does it. <laughs> you know, can you imagine Nathan, you know, telling <laughs> David. David says, who would dare that is this? Oh, by the way, David. David could have put I'm, him to death. I'm talking about you, David. <laughs> yeah, you don't tell your king this because you're next in line to go down. I mean, but David was God's man, so David acted appropriately. Truth. You've got to stick with truth. Yeah. And he is truth. You know, um, there are four things in the Bible that is taught both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. I want to say a real reference here. It's funny because I teach a class, and it's called A Believer's Journey, and I've been teaching with a different amount of people all the time. It, it, they seem to come in and they come and go. But um, there's a guy in my class. He's been coming to my class for about 10 years or more. Uh, brilliant man. And he came up with this idea that why do we call it an Old and a New Testament? Why not the first and second? Isn't you know? Because I always teach that the, the New Testament is a continuation of the Old. That's what it says in Matthew five seventeen. Exactly. And so when you talk about Old and New, you're almost talking like, well, that was before. Now this is now. But really, it's not true. We we have to have it together. In fact, the Old Testament. And I'm an avid reader. And, and study the Old Testament. I really am. The Old Testament, to me, is just filled with such richness. But the Old Testament, if you didn't have the Old Testament, the New Testament would not make any sense. Period. You have to have the Old Testament. It It is what gives our foundation. It is what points to the Messiah. It is what, what elevates who God really is. And the whole whole structure of what God does in the grace that he gives to the people who kept turning away and coming back. You have to have that Old Testament. Jesus referred to the Old Testament over and over again. Paul referred to the Old Testament. Peter referred to the Old Testament. The book of Hebrews refers to the Old Testament. Revelation. Oh, my word. Without the Old Testament, Revelation may not make a lot of sense. Not at all. So, you know, so it's important we understand that. So anyway, I have this teaching that I think is so important that we've gotten away from the idea of these things. But number one, the Bible teaches that we need to live in holiness. There's four four issues. And this is Old Testament teaching and it's New Testament teaching. We live, need to live in holiness. We need to be holy. In Deuteronomy, God said, I am holy, therefore 
be holy because I am holy. And Peter, be holy because God said he's holy, that we need to be holy. It's a teaching that we need to adhere to. I had trouble with that. You have trouble with that? I had oh. a lot of trouble. So how can this guy be holy? <laughs> well, you know, when you think and, about it. But that's not all. The challenge is, I want you to be like me. That just blew my mind. Well. God expects that of me. Yeah. And the answer is yes. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So, so anyway, holiness, uh, well, our, our main foundation is to be like Jesus. That's what a Christian is, is to adhere to and become like Jesus, period. He is, he is our, our, our perfect person, and he is holy. He is God. He says, if you want to measure yourself against anybody else, measure, measure yourself against yeah. Christ. Yeah, exactly. How do you measure there? Yeah. Well, I'm bigger than his. I'm stronger than his. I'm smarter than his. Measure yourself to Christ. Exactly. The second thing is obedience. Now, here's a term that is lost in today's generations. Obedience. The Old Testament is full of talking about obedience. In Deuteronomy 28, uh, God says, if you obey, you'll be filled with blessing. And if you don't, you'll be cursed. I mean, the New Testament talks about obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. Jesus also says, I obey the Father. I do the will of the Father. How many times? He said it in John and Matthew and Mark. He said it over and over again. John 4, John 8, John 6. I do the will of the Father. He was obedient to the Father. We need to Even be Even to obedient. the point of death. Oh, point of death. Exactly. I mean, this is huge because today... We don't look at obedience. We look at, oh, I'm saved, that's good enough for me, and I can live the way I want to, and there's the lack of obedience. And I'm going to get in that in another second. The third one is righteousness. We need to live in righteousness, right living, uh, Old Testament and New Testament. I mean, it's just all there. And finally, it's faith. You know, in the Old Testament, you know, they live by faith. And they, God called them to live on faith. And in the New Testament, it says, unless we live by faith, you can't please God. And, and then, Paul puts it a little bit stronger <clears throat> than that. Whatever is not of faith is sin. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. God, take it easy on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, these four, these four things, you know, holiness, righteousness, obedience, and faith are the very foundations of our walk with God. They're the things that give us that idea that we are in that relationship with God. Without those, without those, those, those things in our life, there's no relationship. See, he says, depart from me. I know you're not. Depart from me. You and I didn't have a relationship. Yeah. I mean, we can be religious all we want. We can preach all we want. We can do all the things we want and act very pious and holy, just like the Pharisees. And Jesus said, you know, when, when it came to, hey, you know, didn't I do miracles? And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. It's about that relationship. Were you obedient? Were, did, were you living in holiness, righteousness, and, and have faith? I mean, these are the very foundations. I can't get away from that, you know, at all, because that is your relationship. You can't. You have yeah. to hold on to that. You can't. Yeah. And the, the problem with obedience is that he may tell you to do what he told me. Close the business down and go do my work. Can I make a few bucks in the process? <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, it, it's interesting because even the word, well, we get into the word um, believe. There, there's a... Um, 
Well, if, before I get there, in John fourteen six, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, no one comes to the Father but through for me. When I was younger, I was taught that that meant that Jesus was the only way to God. That's kind of was the meaning of this passage. However, what I know now is that Jesus says, I'm the way. He says, I am the truth. Think about this. Jesus just claimed to be God. I am the way. I am the truth. That's a big wow on your notes. On the God, God is truth. Jesus said he was truth. That He claimed his deity right there. And, you know, I pass, I've passed by that passage so many times and, and never really all of a sudden it hit me in the head one day. He's like, oh, my word. He's claiming his deity. And we're missing it. He's God. You know? I don't know. It's just, it just clear to me that Jesus is much more than we think he is. What do you think? He's God. He's God. Period. Period. He's man. He's 100% man. But he's 100% God. And, and he, who but he can do that? He's the only one. And he's the only one. But then he, he challenges you and me. You know, you're talking about these four points, and I'm, and, and, and I'm very good. I really agree with that. But he, with each point, he's challenging you. Do you dare be holy as I'm holy? And we, the answer is, I want to, but I know that I can't. And he says, I know that. But yet I'm telling you that. So if it's truth, how could he tell you to do something that you cannot? Well, He won't. Because he says, I'm going to give you of my spirit, and my spirit will be in you. Right. Not just with you, but in you. Now, to what extent do I want that spirit to control me? Yeah. You came up with the next point, obedience. Oh, yeah. Father, if this cross can pass, let it pass from me. But nevertheless, your will be done and not... My will. That's easy to read. Yeah. I, I think that we get, I think sometimes we get the idea that to be holy, we have to do every little thing perfect. Hold our fork the right way, you know, walk the right way, say the right things, and don't do the wrong thing, don't close the door the wrong way or trip somebody. And it's not always about those little bitty things or mistakes that we make. It's about the heart. It's about the heart that says, I, I, I love Jesus. I honor you. I do whatever I can. And if I fail, it's only because I am weak and have flesh, but I still desire to be like you. And that's where the holiness really fits. And unfortunately, you know, traditionally, we don't get all the teaching that says that. We get the teaching that says, oh, you fell down. That's not being holy. And it's like, whoa, it's not about my tripping. It's about my heart. It's about what am I saying within my guts that I serve you. And it's also about don't criticize me. Give me a hand. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You Pretty. know, it's 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 so much like like that. I'm 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 just really enjoying what you're talking about here. I'm glad to be your guest. Well, I I appreciate that very much. I I've always liked you and enjoyed you, and um, I was a good Bible teacher at your university. You know. 
Of course, you knew that. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm really not trying to boast here, but it was it's fun. I love teaching. It is probably my most favorite thing in life is to teach the Word. It's my most favorite thing. It, it you know, really I, I've listened to some of my sermons, and I've, I've been doing this now for 40-some-odd years, and I'm saying, why do they come to hear me? <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny because, because I well, don't. I, I, mean, I teach more than I preach. Yeah, and I teach. But for me, and don't get me wrong what I just said, I don't believe I'm a good teacher. I, I really don't. I did not go to school to become a teacher. It, it just happened one day. And as I taught more and more, I realized that this is not of me. It's of the Holy Spirit. I, I came to grips with that. So in anything that I do or say that seems to be really good, trust me, it's, it didn't come from because I'm smart or I know how to teach well. I don't. It's because before every time I ever teach, I pray, Holy Spirit, I need to honor you. Speak through me. It's his words that I teach. I am so – the one thing I really am um, really weird about – and if that's a, a lack of a better word term, is that I'd be accurate. Because I, I don't want to be inaccurate when I teach. Um, that is, that's huge for me. Um, I'll sit in front, of, uh, in front of people, and it's hard for me to sit in front of lots of people and listen to the inaccuracies. Um, it's difficult, and I struggle with that, and I have to pray, Lord, teach, you, know, you have to speak to me even though I'm having struggle. You know, so I have my own little things, but really, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit giving the gift to teach, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be teaching, and I definitely, it's not from me. It's from Him. You know, Jesus says in John 15, and partly He says, "Without me, you can do nothing." Well, we need to understand what He said in the Greek, because without Him, we do a lot of things. People do a lot of sinful things. Right. But what He was saying is, without me, you cannot do you cannot do anything as you ought. Yeah. You see, you don't know how to do things, and you're confessing that. But with him, you can do as you ought, yeah. because he's leading you and, and telling you this is right and this is not right. Yeah. Now, you know, you hear messages, you hear anecdotes, and you hear teachings, and, and like it or not, sometimes there's bones and not all meat. But don't throw away the meat, you know. Swallow that, okay? Yeah. And the other one, you can put it sure. out. <laughs> you know, I want to go over something else I think is so important that we have lived in this traditional um, era. And I don't know if it's just today, 50 years ago, or it's been 100 years. But there's a scripture, John 3.16, which basically most all of us know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And it's the word believe I want to talk about because we get this idea that if I, if I understand that God is real, if I understand that he went to the cross, and I believe that he did in my mind. See, we look at, we look at the um, dictionary, um, Webster's Dictionary, and it'll say the word believe, the definition is to understand that which is true. Okay, so I understand this. However, the Greek word for believe, it does not mean that whatsoever. It, the word is actually pistuo, 
That's the, the word that they translate into the word believe. But it's not really a one-word translation. As you know, you speak Spanish, so you know there's lots of times one word doesn't equate another word. So the word believe or pistuo actually is an active verb where we see believe in English or Spanish or Romanian or Russian. I've looked through all of these. It's a passive ver- verb, but in Greek, it's an active verb, something we act upon that's being revealed to us. We act upon and follow the teachings. We actually obey. It has its roots in obedience. So when I read the scripture here, that whoever believes, okay, let's put in the words that it really means, follow the teachings, obey in him, shall not perish and have everlasting life. How many of us actually look at that with the idea that we're thinking of him as real or we're actually following and obeying? I mean, talk about a, a lapse of traditional teaching and what is real and what the scripture has. I mean, I go back to even in John 3.36, it really says it clearly too. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. So let's go back to the word believe, pistuo again. He who follows his teaching, who obeys him, has everlasting life. But he who does not follow the Son, who does not obey, who does not you know, act, does not have life. This is why he puts the Holy Ghost in you, because the Holy Ghost is not dead. Right. And the Holy Ghost doesn't go to sleep. Right. The Holy Ghost is the one that leads you. Exactly. Now, right now. And I, and I wanted to, I want to say this because in all of our, in all of my life as a believer, and I've had a lot of ups and downs. I mean, especially in my younger first ten, fifteen years, I was awful. I mean, I really had a struggle in my own carnal nature. I mean, flat out. But when I when I understood, started understanding these terms and understood the teaching, it was like, I better get myself together or I'm going to be like what First John says, I'm deceiving myself. I mean, uh, the message is that I, I love this this one um, chapter, First John 1, 5 through 10, and I guess I'll read the whole the whole thing here, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Okay, we're back to truth, right? Okay, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk, walk in darkness, okay, we're talking about a lifestyle here. We're not talking about, oh, we think he's true and not. We're talking about if we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. We're not practicing living in him. But if we walk in the light as he is in life and have fellowship with one another, okay, the blood of Jesus, uh, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Who's not in us? Jesus. Now, here's the key verse that everybody wants to hang on. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness. But they want to pull this out and not really look at the whole context of what we're talking about. We're, you know, in the last verse, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We want to pull out one verse out of that, hang on it, and not realize it's a lifestyle. I have such a problem that Christianity has now become an event. Salvation, rather, has become an event. Pray this prayer this day and now it's it. But when I look at the scripture, it's not an event at all. 
It's a lifestyle. It's a living for him. Paul says to work out your salvation. To me, that's an ongoing. Jesus said, abide in me. He's changing you every day. Yeah. From your carnality to his spirituality. Right. It's a, it's a way of living, a, a walk of life. It's the way you go from today on. It wasn't because something happened two years ago, five years ago, and that's it. No, it's an ongoing lifestyle. Jesus says, if you remain in me, you are my disciples. You know, what you just said, if I, can, if I may capsulize it, and I'm not trying to do anything except build on what you say. It's all it's the truth. Just have him in you. When you have him in you, that's life. And that's all you have to remember. Not, mm. the, not all the semantics to it. Just keep Jesus in your heart. And don't depart from there. And understand that. And run to him when he calls you. Yeah. You know, they were fishing. They caught no fish. They were dis- distraught. They were depressed. Jesus, he says, come on, have dinner with me. And they, he, Peter runs to him. And then he says, now go over there and you'll catch. In other words, come to the truth first. I'll, I'll give you peace and I'll supply for you. Understand this truth. And you're hitting it on the head. Very good. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, even a lot of the churches, they, they um, have this salvation prayer. And that's pretty traditional now. And, and they go to Romans, you know, uh, 10.9, I think it is. Um, and they say, believe in your, uh, say, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. But that word believe, it's a derivative of pistuo. It's back to entrusting. It's a, it's a, it's an active verb. Confessing, it, it's an, it's a, com- it actually means to co- have build a covenant verbally. Well, this is why I see it many times. Uh, I just led a family to the Lord. Uh, they were in my office Friday. They came in for something else for help, and they ended up getting the Lord in their hearts. And um, the man was uh, questioning, you know, I mean, like, I come here for something. You're not giving me what I want. (laughs) But, you know, he wasn't saying it like that, but it was just the message that he was sending. And as he began to receive the Lord, you could see his face and his, his complexion change because the truth came into him. And then... He opened his heart and confessed him. And truth comes in. Life comes in. Death goes out. Cheating goes out. Reality comes in. And you're born again. Keep it up. Yeah. I mean, you know, think about this. When Jesus was facing Pilate, you know, um, Pilate, you know, they had this discussion, and Jesus says, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Okay? And notice he said the truth. He didn't so say a truth, a pathway, a way to go. He says, everyone who knows the truth hears my voice. Okay? He wasn't vague at all. Jesus is truth. And, and we need to see that more and more because it needs to be part of our everyday decisions of what we do to walk with him. A parting thought as we close. I'm sure that we're close to being. Pretty close. <laughs> as a, a parting thought. This truth you speak of is what is lacking in the world. When you bring that truth, those who have accepted the artificial intelligence, if, you, if I can call it that, 
And I don't mean that I'm against, I mean, I, I have computers in my desk, a computer in my house, and I believe in all that. I'm not, I don't mean pencil and paper only. But what I'm saying, when you accept that as truth, you are denying the one that made that possible, who is the real truth. Right. So keep that in mind because the world is trying to change all these young people from thinking that because we are suddenly become older and old-fashioned. Yeah. John was 90 years old when he was in, not preaching anymore because he couldn't do that anymore. But he would still be in the church teaching and preaching truth. And the truth was the love of, of, of God. So we continue to teach that because we are facing a very serious problem in the world today. Yes. And the yeah. problem is not accepting truth. Well, you've been watching um, The Believer's Journey today. We've uh, had Dr. Gilbert Perez with us, and it's been a really amazing discussion here. Um, I hope you watch this and enjoy it. Uh, subscribe to my YouTube. In two weeks, we will have, we'll be fortunate to have a couple from Moldova, some missionaries, and they'll be visiting with us. And that'll be a really nice little uh, discussion, too. Yes. So thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. I am honored to be here. I am honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Aloha, and you have a wonderful, wonderful day. Remember Jesus is. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com.